Hey, welcome everyone, wherever you're watching from. We're so glad that you've joined us today on this uh, very special Sunday, this Easter Sunday, and uh, just a very Merry Easter, Happy Easter to each and every one of you, wherever you're watching from. And it's so good to be able to join with you on this Easter Sunday and celebrate this very special day, a day that shouldn't just affect one weekend in our year, but in fact every day of our lives when we remember what Jesus has done for us. So today is... Easter Sunday, otherwise known as Resurrection Sunday. And it's the final part of an Easter weekend. And I know that there was a Lent leading up to the Easter weekend. But over the last few days, we've been remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago and how it affects us on Thursday, as they would call it, Monday, uh, Thursday, was when we remembered the Last Supper and how he washed his disciples' feet. And then we journey through into Good Friday, which represents that moment when Jesus <coughs> was uh, tried and crucified and died for us, for you and me, in our place on the cross. And following the traditions uh, of the Jewish customs, he was buried by the end of that day on that Friday night in a tomb that was provided by Joseph of Arimathea. And then we journey through Saturday and Saturday is called by some holy Saturday. And that's that moment where it's like life stood still and nothing seemed to be happening. But then came the Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, when the stone was rolled away. And when they came to look for Jesus in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, they found that the tomb was empty, that Jesus had risen from the dead. Just as he'd prophesied and told his disciples many, many times, the tomb was empty. And today we celebrate today that he is risen. He is risen from the dead. And Jesus is seated at the right hand side of the Father. In many ways today, or this part, Resurrection or Resurrection Sunday, is the most important part. I know that all the other components were vitally important that Thursday that he spent with his disciples leading up to the moment he was arrested, the Friday where he was punished as us, not just for us, that moment where he died on the cross for our sins, <clears throat> for our sickness and for everything that could cause us to suffer in this life and the one to come, that Saturday when everything looked quiet on the earth but he was, he was bringing freedom and taking back the keys of authorities, sin and death. But for me, Sunday morning is the moment that we gather around because if Sunday morning never took place, if there was no resurrection, in many ways, all the other things would come to nothing. The claims that he'd made about himself, the claims he'd made about being our saviour, the actions that he took to substitute his life for ours, the, the sacrifice of that Friday would mean nothing really if he hadn't risen from the dead. It was the rising from the dead the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that resurrection morning that actually defined and validated that he was and is the son of God, that he'd made payment for you and me so that we could know freedom. You know, it reads in the first Corinthians chapter 15. It says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. What Paul is saying here is all that he did in his death and his burial would mean nothing to us today, would affect us in no way today or eternally if he hadn't risen from the dead in resurrection. Let me read on a little bit further from 1 Corinthians 15 today 
we've read up to verse 14. But then it says in verse 15, unpacking it further, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. If there's no resurrection of the dead, if there's no resurrection of Jesus from the grave, we're actually found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he has raised Christ, his son, from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised, as some taught in those days, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith and my faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Nothing's changed. Then those also who have fallen asleep, who have died in Christ, are lost as well. That's a terrible thought, but a thought that isn't true. Then it says in verse 19, if only this for this life we have hope in Christ. If there's no resurrection and all we have is hope in Christ, not knowing if he rose from the dead or not then we are all of most people to be pitied. Then it proclaims and announces in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised. Christ has risen from the dead. He's the first fruits of all of those who have fallen asleep and will fall asleep. So to me, when we gather around this thought of a resurrection, Resurrection Sunday, it's not a part, it's the most significant part. No other person who claimed to be God or be a Messiah made it through the grave. Only Jesus Christ conquered death and the grave and rose again like he promised. When I read about the resurrection and how God causes things that were dead or almost dead to live again, that gives me hope and I'm sure it gives you hope too for many situations in life that we could face or will face, that we serve a God that can cause dry bones to come back to life, things that were dead or seemed to be dead to rise again and be strong again. Maybe you're going through that Friday night moment at this time where it seems that something's dying or something about your life or a situation you're facing is being buried. It may feel like Friday night, but have hope, my friend. When God's involved, Sunday's on the way. There's a Sunday morning that follows, a Sunday morning where you see and I see God raise things that seemed to be dead or finished <clears throat> back to fullness of life. You know, sometimes I consider this that moment when Jesus in his body went into a grave and everybody thought it was over. But then all of a sudden on Sunday morning, the risen Jesus left the grave more alive than he's ever been. You know, the church today is called the body of Christ. And we've gone through this last 12 months. And in some ways, it's been a little bit of a tomb moment, hasn't it? But it's, it's very similar in some ways. It's like a year ago, the church buildings and the church meetings that we knew were cancelled. And we began to just rely on our connecting with each other outside of the meetings we once knew. And in some ways, it's like the body of Christ, the church, was put in a tomb. But the good news is that just as Jesus walked from the tomb on that Resurrection Sunday, I believe that his body today, the church, you and me, are rising to a new horizon where we're going to leave this moment of lockdown and not gathering together. 
and actually come back out into the daylight and be a church that's stronger, more spiritual and more powerful than we, what, what, than we were 12 months ago when we entered into this season called lockdown and COVID, etc. The confidence of every believer this Easter and indeed every day of our lives are found in the words of that song that we just listened to that speaks about the resurrected Jesus when it declares, I know my Redeemer lives. Oh, come on, that's our anthem on this Easter resurrection Sunday morning. I know my Redeemer lives because of the power of resurrection. Today we have a confidence and we can proclaim, oh, we know that our Redeemer lives. This Easter time, for me, I've been considering a lot the words written in the book of Job, the words that were said by Job in a very tough and unusual, unprecedented part of the life he was living. And these words I want to share with you to bring hope with you today. These words to me have been profound as I've meditated on them these last few days. It says in Job 19 verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. Now, these words were being spoken by Job in that moment of confusion, the troubles he was facing, the torment, the loss that he was experiencing in the midst of that confusing moment where it seemed like everything was going wrong. It's like his flesh was rotting. His family was lost. What he'd owned was not in his possession anymore. Yet in the midst of that moment, Job makes this powerful statement. Oh, despite all that's happening. I know that my Redeemer lives and I know that he will stand again on the earth. In verse 26 and 27, he continues on with these thoughts and he says, Though my flesh be destroyed, yet in my body, a healed body, I know I will see God. He said, with my own eyes, I will see him. And then he said, oh, how my heart yearns for that moment or that day. But it's his first statement that I want to encourage you with today. This statement that needs to be our confidence also. You can hear the confidence in the voice of Job when he makes his statement. It wasn't a fickle statement. Oh, I know my Redeemer lives. Rather a proclamation. Oh, I know despite what's happening, despite what you see happening right now. Oh, I know this is my confidence. I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know that he will stand on this earth again one day. Come on, church, that needs to be our confidence, not just at a, on an Easter weekend, but through every day of our lives as we journey with the Lord. Like Job, we need to be able to proclaim that statement. Even when things don't look like they're going like they should, we proclaim, I know, this is what I know. I may not know some of the things that are happening, but I know that my Redeemer lives. That statement, I know my Redeemer lives, could be taken a couple of ways, couldn't it? You could lose the lives off of the end and have a very profound statement. I know my Redeemer. I suppose the question for every person watching today is that question. Do you know your Redeemer? I'm so thankful today that I know my Redeemer. I know my Redeemer. His name is Jesus. He's the one who's redeemed my life and saved me. 
and brought me back into the family of God. I don't know about my Redeemer. I know my Redeemer. Come on, is that your confidence also? Do you know your Redeemer? He's not a vague figure in the pages of history, but a very real person. That's a part of your daily life. Oh, we can proclaim with confidence. I know my Redeemer. Other religions, they know about the gods that they follow, but they don't know their gods in a level of intimate relationship. But for us who follow Jesus, we can have a confidence in our hearts. We don't just know about him, but we know our Redeemer, the one who saved us and has brought us back into the family of God, is the one who calls us friend. But also we have this confidence, not only do we know our Redeemer, we know that our Redeemer lives. Yes, we know that he died on a cross 2,000 years ago, but we also know that he left the grave 2,000 years ago. But he walked away from death. Death could not claim him. And as he rose from the dead, he cut a pathway from the grave to heaven for each and every one of us that choose to place our faith in him as our redeemer. What is a redeemer? The word redeem means to purchase back, to bring back something that was lost. It means to rescue, to restore. When we declare, as Job did, I know my Redeemer lives. What we're saying is Jesus is my Redeemer. And in being my Redeemer, he's the one that brought me from being lost and made me found again. He's the one that paid the bill for my sin that I couldn't pay myself. He's the one that rescued me when I needed to be rescued. He's the one that brought me home to the Father Come on, when you speak of Jesus, know him as your redeemer also. Like I said, not a redeemer that paid for you on the cross, but couldn't live on from the moment, but rather a redeemer that paid for your sin on the cross and then rose from the dead to make sure that everything he promised you was yours to know today. What is it to be redeemed? It's the message of Easter, isn't it? When we talk about the cross, when we talk about the divine exchange of the cross in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 onwards, it speaks of how at the cross 2,000 years ago, a divine exchange took place where an innocent man, Jesus, our Redeemer, went to the cross blameless and sinless. But we approach the cross guilty, sinful, separated and shameful yet in those moments when the sky turned black on that good Friday that holy Friday in that moment a divine exchange was taking place between the one who had come to redeem us Jesus the son of God and our lives that desperately needed to be redeemed you see if you imagine for a moment that this book or this this table is the cross of Christ This timeless message of Easter needs to continually be preached, but we approached it desperate and in need of redeeming. He approached it innocent and blameless and righteous in the sight of the Father. Yet in those moments when he hung upon that cross where the sky turned black, before the veil in the temple was rent and the earth quaked, in that moment when the sky 
turned dark. In that moment, a divine exchange was taking place. He was shedding his blood as payment for the sin of a lost humanity. And in that moment when he cries from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The moment that he felt forsaken was because that was the moment when your sin and my sin, our sickness, our disease, everything that could ail us, sent to us from the hand of the enemy, came upon him. He became the sacrificial lamb that took upon himself the sin of the world. And then he died and made payment for the sin that was on him, your sin, my sin. He made payment for that sin by his death. But then on the third day, when the payment had been made, the blood had been shed, there was no longer anything that could hold him or anyone that believed in him in the courts of hell. That's when he broke out of the tomb. Like I've said before, we need to understand that he is both the lion and the lamb. As the lamb of God, he went to the cross as a sacrificial lamb to pay the price for the sin of humanity. But when that sin had been paid, he didn't leave the tomb on Sunday as a lamb, but rather as a roaring lion, victorious over death and the grave. But can't you see the truth of what we're sharing today? It wasn't just his death. It was ours also. It wasn't just his burial. It was ours also. It wasn't just his resurrection. But just as he rose from the dead, so we have a confidence that we have risen too to be a new creation that walks the earth today. And we too can have an assurance that when our time is spent on this earth, we shall rise and be with the Father for all time. But wait a moment, we said it was an exchange. In an exchange, two people leave with something different. And that's exactly what happens when we consider the cross in the light of what Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 5. It says this at the end of 2 Corinthians 5, and he, that is God, made him who is Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. You see, the moment that Jesus took what was ours upon himself was the moment when we took what was his upon our lives. We left the moment of encountering the cross, even if it was 2,000 years ago, even if it was a week ago, that moment where you acknowledged him as Lord and Saviour, the one who's redeemed your life, your Redeemer, that moment you leave that encounter with him, the Bible declares that God has made your life, life righteous just as he made the life of his son sin. Isn't that powerful today? The robes of righteousness that we wear today aren't earned or achieved by what we do, but simply given to us from the Father because of one single thing that we did. And that single thing that we did was to place faith in Jesus Christ 
as our saviour and our redeemer. That's why with confidence on this Easter Sunday, we can proclaim just as Job did, but I know my redeemer lives. What do we celebrate today? He's alive. He's alive. Jesus Christ is alive. He's risen from the dead. He's completed what he set out to do. Like I said at the beginning, if he just died for our sins on the cross, but never rose from the grave, even though his intentions for representing us at the cross were beautiful, admirable, nothing would have been placed into effect because he hadn't risen and validated it by conquering the grave and death himself. Why do we celebrate today? Because he did beat the grave, he did conquer death. He's a risen Jesus and being a risen Jesus means that everything he set out to do in saving you and me, in redeeming us, he achieved. But those other words that he spoke from the cross, it's finished was true. Everything that once separated you from knowing a relationship with the loving father has been removed. Everything that needed to be finished has been finished. He went to the cross as a submitted lamb. He left the tomb as a roaring victorious lion. Because he lives, we have a confidence that we live too. Here and now as a new creation, we live in the new life that he's given us. But also in the life to come, we know and have an assurance that if our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, then an eternity with God is an assurance in our heart that we should never doubt. This Easter, it calls us to remember all that he did for us. He laid down his life. He laid aside his majesty. He laid down his life so that we could live. He took our place on the cross. He gave us a new standing before the Father. That standing being forgiven, justified and blameless. How blessed are we today? But we did nothing. We could do nothing to achieve that standing before the Father. But yet God provided everything we needed through the sacrificial love and giving of his only son, Jesus Christ. But I want to end today with the final thing that Job says in his statement. Because he says, for I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand again upon the earth. I know that Job was speaking of God being the redeemer in his life. And his situations. But also Job was prophesying, wasn't he? That the God that's saving him is the God that saved us. And this redeeming God will not remain in heaven now forever. But there's a day when he will return to collect those who belong to him. Who are those who belong to him? Those who have been redeemed by him. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus as their redeemer and the saviour of their life. To those people, there should be a joyful expectation 
of a one day returning Jesus. He's a risen Jesus coming again to collect those he's redeemed. Just as Easter isn't just a nice story, so the second coming isn't just a nice story either. It really will happen. And I want to close my message on this Resurrection Sunday by leaving you with this simple thought. Are you ready for when he returns again to collect those who belongs to him? Are you able to say today, oh, I know my Redeemer, my Redeemer, his name is Jesus. He's my Lord and he's my Saviour. If you're not able to say those words today, a short prayer that we pray together in a few moments can change everything. But just across, just as across the world today, people are saying, I know my Redeemer live. If you've never yet said that, you can say that today also, simply by placing your faith in him. But also we need to have a confidence. But just as the Bible promised that he would come a first time to die on a cross for the sins of humanity and rise again. So the same Bible promises us that there's a second coming of this Jesus. This time, not to go to a cross or to pay for the sins of humanity, rather to collect those who now belong to him because they've placed their faith to be saved in him alone. Are you ready for his return? Are you ready for that moment when the Bible says the sky will split again. The Bible says that there'll be no warning. Only God knows the time, the hour and the moment. But be assured, just as Jesus came and fulfilled the prophecy of his first coming, so there is a day in the Father's calendar that this Jesus, this Redeemer, this God that we love and we serve, the Son of God will return. Like Job says, he will return to this earth. His feet will return to this earth. And it will be a moment, the Bible says, that's like a thief in the night. In the twinkling of an eye. Without warning. The skies and the heavens and everything we know will be rent again. And the one that we've placed our faith in and choose to walk with, with the days he's given us on this earth. He will come and he will Take us to be with him in his paradise for all eternity. Our mission isn't to live ready one weekend a year called Easter, but to live our lives in a holy, reverent fear, expectation of him coming, returning to take us to his paradise. But also there should be an urgency within our hearts but if we have friends and family that don't know Jesus, we can't casually choose not to let them know about him unless his second coming is just a fairy tale that goes along with the fairy tale that you believe called Easter. But if it's not a fairy tale, let there be a sober warning to all of our hearts. We can no longer remain quiet about how Jesus saves how he redeems, how he takes broken things and makes them work again, how he takes dead things and makes them come to newness of life. 
Rather, we should purpose in our hearts to end the silence and tell every person that we know, especially our friends and family, let me introduce you to my Redeemer. Because the good news about my Redeemer is my Redeemer lives. If you're watching today, let me lead you in a very short prayer this Easter Sunday. Maybe you're watching and you never normally go to church, but because it's Easter, you decided to tune in. Maybe you saw it shared on social media or a friend invited you and you're watching today and you're saying, Andy, I don't know him as my Redeemer. I can't say today my Redeemer lives, but I want to. I want to have an assurance and a certainty that when he comes a second time, like he's promised that he will, my life will be like a wise virgin, ready and waiting for him to collect me. One short prayer, it rearranges and solves everything. At the end of his prayer, if you're praying that for you today, maybe because you've wandered from God or you've never known God and you want to know him as your Lord and Saviour, your Redeemer today, then just say a big Amen. And the Bible says that heaven and God himself will hear the cry of your heart and save you this very moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Easter. We thank you for all that it represents. We thank you that it represents you giving your only beloved son to die on a cross, to redeem us, to bring us back, to purchase us back with the blood that he shed to yourself, to take us from being separated to being family, to being your children, to take us from being orphans to being sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood shed 2,000 years ago justifies us and leaves us justified. It makes the unholy holy. Oh, that precious blood that you shed 2,000 years ago, Lamb of God, makes the unholy holy and the unrighteous righteous with a righteousness that they can stand instantly before the Father as somebody that's done nothing wrong. Thank you for the power of the blood that you shed 2,000 years ago, Lord. Thank you, Father, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever calls upon Jesus and says, Jesus, be my redeemer, in that very moment can experience the salvation you've provided for every person to know. Lord, I pray today for every person watching that as they say, save me, Jesus, redeem me, Jesus, that they would know a brand new beginning. They would know life flowing where death once reigned. They would know healing coming where there was brokenness, that everything would change in this moment because they lifted their prayers and their hearts to you, the redeeming kinsman, the redeeming God, Jesus Christ, risen King. Amen. Amen. Just say amen now. And the Bible says, because you've believed in your heart and you've confessed with your mouth, you too can now say that I know my Redeemer lives. God bless you.